would, and join me in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We've looked at the reason for missions, the responsibility for missions, the requirement for missions, the resources for missions, and our praying about giving, what would God have us to do, and, and increasing our gift and increasing our faith. And tonight I want to look at a remarkable portrait of missions all the way back in the Old Testament, or a great picture of faith promise and action. So let's begin reading in 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible said, Now there was a certain man of Ramathium Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of uh, Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And someone said, How do you know you said them right? Well, how do you know I didn't? But anyway, so verse 2, and he had two wives. Now let me just pause and say, wow, that was really dumb. Two at once? You know, having a wife is a wonderful thing. The Bible said that's a gift from God. And I'm thankful for my wife. And I had a wonderful, wonderful godly mother-in-law who I knew since I was seven years of age. She wasn't my mother-in-law then, but I'm telling you, one of the finest Christian ladies you would ever meet. And I thank God for her, but I wouldn't want to have two mother-in-laws at once. But anyway, uh, pray for me. But anyway, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered... He gave to Peniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, uh, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so uh, she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Now, fellas, be careful what you say to your wife. This next sentence, I'm glad she didn't answer him. He said, am, I, am not I better to thee than ten sons? <laughs> Boy, guys, we're really something, aren't we? Anyway, moving right on. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. There shall no razor come upon his head. We look into this interesting passage here of the Old Testament. Of course, this man Elkanah and his wife Hannah. I want you to notice, first of all, Hannah's problem. The Bible said in verse 2 that she was barren. She had no children. Can, can I say this, uh, making a spiritual application? I would hate to say today that I've known the Lord as my personal Savior all of these years and not ever have influenced one other person for heaven. I don't understand Christians that have no desire to want to see someone else get saved. 
Now, we're not in competition, and it's not who can win the most. But can I tell you something? It ought to be our desire to want to bring somebody else to Jesus. Physically, she wanted to have children. But I'm telling you, spiritually, every one of us ought to long to be able to win somebody to Christ, not to be barren, not to go through our spiritual life and having never influenced anybody uh, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So she was barren, but not only that, she was belittled. In verse number 6, the Bible tells us, And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret. Because the Lord had shut up her womb, she was belittled. And by the way, as you study this chapter, you'll find that her adversary was none other than the other woman in her husband's life. This competition that she felt, the other wife had the children. But of course, she really had a close place in the heart of him. By the way, let me pause and say this. God sometimes reveals things to us in the Bible that went on, like this man had two wives. The Bible gives us the facts about these things, but God never puts His approval on that. And I'm not preaching about that tonight, but you know, I'm talking about having two wives at the same time. I, I had a guy come to me one time and said he was going to you know, live that way, and I said, well, you do, you're going to live outside the will of God. He said, well, you know, the only people that aren't allowed to have two wives at the same time are priests and kings. And he said, I'm neither a priest nor a king. I said, then you're not saved. Because Revelation said He hath made us... Priests and kings. So if you're saved, you still need to honor God and do the right thing. But that's a subject for another day. She was belittled. But not only that, she was broken hearted. Verses 7 and 8, we find her weeping sorely so much that she doesn't even want to eat and her heart is broken. And, and let me ask you a question tonight. When is the last time that you got so burdened about somebody that maybe you loved and cared about? that you found yourself weeping and broken over their lost soul. I remember years ago we had a lady in our church in Tremont, Illinois, and uh, she was very, very burdened for her brother and uh, her parents. And uh, to make a long story short, I'm talking about her parents were... Uh, you know, probably in their 60s at the time. Her brother's probably in his late 30s at the time. And she got so burdened, she began to fast and pray and ask God to save her family. And her husband was concerned. She was getting too carried away. But her heart was so broken. But you know, the good news is that God allowed a pastor up in Chicago to contact her brother. And her brother ended up getting saved in a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist church. And at the same time that was going on, her mom and dad visited our church and interestingly enough her dad uh, had been a public school uh, teacher and then a public school principal in one of the largest uh, schools there in the Decatur area of Illinois and they had come to the services and, and uh, he got under conviction and uh, he was so troubled he went home to his church he was a member of a Christian church and he went to his pastor and he said pastor I go to my daughter's church and they tell me I need to be born again and he said I feel so convicted and so condemned and I don't know what to do and his pastor said why you're such a good man why if anyone goes to heaven you're going to heaven I mean, after all, you're a steward in our church and you're faithful to church and, you know, you've given to the community. You've been a teacher and you've been a, a, a you know, active person in our community. Why, if anyone's going to heaven, you're going to heaven. But he kept coming back. He'd drive over from Decatur to Tremont and one night... During the services, my dad's pastor was standing next to him. During the invitation, he was 
right here on the front row under deep conviction and uh, began to weep. And my dad's preacher put his arm around him and said, Sir, is God uh, dealing with your heart? He said, He really is. I need to get saved. And of course, he got in the altar, got saved. His wife got saved later on. His wife's mother got saved. And they all followed the Lord in baptism, ended up serving in a church in Decatur until uh, God allowed him to come and serve uh, under uh, me while I was pastoring there. And he was principal of our Christian school. He had retired and he said, I, I, we had a need in the school. He said, I can give you a couple years. And he came. And one of the best friends that I ever had, all because his daughter got so burdened and broken that she just couldn't stand the thought of her mom and her dad and her brother dying without Christ. I'm telling you, we need to have a broken heart over lost and uh, dying men and women, boys and girls. The songwriter said it well, souls are dying, men are crying, won't we bring them to the cross? We've got to lead them to Christ. So we see Hannah's problem, but then notice Hannah's prayer. In verses 10 and 11, she begins to pray. And, and I love her prayer in verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And, and the Bible said in, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid. And I love this statement, remember me. Now you understand that phrase is used in other places in the Bible. God never forgets. It's not like, you know, God, in case you forgot who I am, but it is such a strong plea that we can understand. Lord, I know you're there. But right now, I need to know you're there for me. Have you ever felt that way? I know God is real. I know the Bible is real. I know that everything the Bible says is true, but every once in a while, we'll cry out, Lord, I know you're doing this for the preacher. I know you're doing this for the uh, song leader. I know you're doing this for the Sunday school teacher, but Lord, I want you to do something in my life. Lord, I hear about people winning people to Christ, and Lord, that excites me, but Lord, remember me. In other words, Lord, uh, help me to be able to have uh, what uh, they have in their life. I'm just simply saying, uh, she said, remember me. I believe it was Spurgeon that said, prayer takes our needs from our hands and puts it in God's hand. We have a prayer answering God. We often aren't specific enough in our praying or sometimes we don't pray because of our fear of failure. We have not because we ask not. Are we afraid to ask God to do big things in our life? And by the way, I'm not afraid to ask God to do little things either. I think God's interested in every area of our life. There's not a person in here tonight, if we got very honest, we had prayer requests a while ago, and there's every single one of us have things that we're burdened about or people we're concerned about, some that are lost, some of our loved ones maybe that are battling sickness in their life. Can I tell you this as a parent? It is so much easier to be sick yourself than to watch one of your children be sick. Watch one of your grandchildren be sick. I'm telling you, dear friend, it is far easier. You say, Brother Graham, you don't mean that. Listen, our oldest son has gone through about, well, a couple bouts with cancer and, and uh, other issues in his life. And I've told him every single time, I would gladly trade places with you if I could take it for you. I would do that in a heartbeat. Listen, without a doubt, I'd, I'd love to see God uh, completely heal his body. And uh, man, he knows that I'm in his corner praying for him and for God to continue to give him good health and strength but I'm just telling you sometimes as a parent we know that burden for our children when they're sick and when they're going through trials but I'm telling you without a doubt dear friend we need to have that kind of a passion in our heart uh, for the lost and dying she prayed passionately 
It's okay to be honest with God. Now, I know public praying is a little different, but folks, I'm telling you, it's all right to get passionate in your praying. You're talking to a real living God. You know, our children need to know that we're not just religious people, but we are people with a relationship with a real God that hears and answers our prayer. I know that spiritually speaking, I'm serving the Lord today because of what the Lord did in my heart. But you'll understand this. I believe without a doubt one of the things that was so valuable in my life was how real God was to my mom and dad. You know, I don't ever remember a time that I didn't believe in God. Now, there came a time when I had to have a personal salvation, but I don't ever remember going, I wonder if there's a God. You know why? He was too real. He had answered too many prayers. He had met too many needs. He had worked in too many lives. I can remember times uh, where God would move in such a special way and meet needs, and not just physical needs, but uh, see uh, revivals take place. When I was just a boy, my dad was in evangelism, and I can remember when he had come in, and in those days, most of the revivals were two weeks long and he'd leave a week open between meetings just in case it, you know, it had to go longer. And, and uh, I can remember when dad would come home from a meeting, sometimes we could go, sometimes we couldn't, but he'd come back and boy, mom would we'd sit at the table and begin to ask. I'm talking about I'm six and seven years of age. And I remember questions like, how did the meeting go? And he'd say, oh, the first week, you know, it was kind of slow getting started. People started getting right with the Lord. And the next week they started bringing their neighbors and their loved ones and man we had a real move of God and boy it just kind of broke out and we had you know 35 saved and 25 saved and things like that and I can remember other times we'd say it just never did really break we had several people saved, but it never did really break and I didn't understand that when I was a boy but I'm telling you I would just sit with delight and listen to them talk about how God had worked in the meeting and the things that he did she prayed passionately but she prayed privately the Bible said her lips were moving no words were coming out. There's, it's not wrong to pray publicly at all, but you know, sometimes just getting alone with God and letting Him know just the honesty of our heart. But then not only that, she prayed pointedly. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a man-child. You know, she was barren and she could have said, Lord, if you'll give me any child. But she said, Lord, give me a man-child. What a what an interesting prayer that she prayed. And listen, as she began to pray, she prayed persistently. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. And you and I need to come to heaven's throne and believe God by faith. But there's nothing wrong with pouring your heart out to God and being very persistent with God. And then she prayed powerfully because God heard her prayer and God answered her prayer. But then notice thirdly, Hannah's promise. Look at her faith. She promised God what she did not have. Now be careful. I've already said it this week. We're not talking about pie in the sky. We're not talking about trying to just, you know, throw a number out and say, God, I'm going to do this. And, you know, everything that we do must be by faith. It must be directed by the Lord. But the Bible said in Hebrews eleven six, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So she had faith. But not only do we see her faith, we notice her fulfillment. She said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And that's exactly what God did. God answered her prayer, gave her that son by the name of Samuel. What a blessed story that is. And the Bible tells us not only of her fulfillment, 
But notice her fruit as a result of her giving. In 1 Samuel 2 and verse 21, And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Listen, you can never outgive the Lord. She asked the Lord for one son. Just to be able to say, God has a plan and purpose for my life. Lord, if you'll give me one son, I'll give him back to you. And God not only gave her a son, but He gave her several more children. God blessed her in a marvelous way. I I would say this far beyond her expectation. And I want to tell you something. God is faithful and He will not forget. And you know the fruit of giving to God, dear friend, is something that we not only can see in the immediate, but oftentimes way down the road of life. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give in your bosom. Now I want to tell you, there's a lot of guys on the radio and on the television that you know preach this name it and claim it and God wants everybody to be a millionaire and you know and then of course they'll say you know uh, send your seed money to me I've always wanted to say well you send me a hundred let God give you a thousand because I don't always trust them in fact is I don't ever trust them I'm not talking about that tonight. I'm talking about God's avenue of giving through the New Testament church to take the gospel to the regions beyond us. We've already established this is not about our tithe. That, of course, belongs to the Lord and needs to be given through the New Testament church. But our mission giving, which is above that, is an exercise of faith. And as we give it by faith, we're amazed to see God not only provide it, but for God to use it in a way that we realize we can't outgive the Lord. I mean, given it shall be given unto you. People say, well, I know when I get to heaven, God's going to reward me. And that's true. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. But I'm glad to live in God's economy right here on planet earth and watch Him bless even when people say it's not going to happen. Well, the economy's so bad. This is so bad. That is so bad. I'm telling you, dear child of God, God can give fruit and add to your account by your faithfulness to Him. The Lord visited Hannah. Then notice, fourthly, Hannah's participation. God gave her this son in 1 Samuel 1.22. But Hannah went not up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry, until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until he, she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. She said, I'm going to give him to the Lord. But she said, I want to prepare him first and she prepared Samuel and just a side note if I was Eli I would be saying oh thank you I mean you know she could have brought him right after he was born but she went ahead and weaned him I'd like to think she went ahead and toilet trained him I'd like to think she did everything that was necessary till he could go and, you know, not be an overburden to the man of God. After all, Eli was an old man, and uh, he's going to have this young man come uh, serve him in the, uh, in the place of, of God's house and everything. And so she made some preparation. This is a side note, but mom and dad, it's never too soon to start preparing our children to know about the things of God. Just a thought here, what about Moses? when he was born and hid by his parents and, of course, ended up being brought up in the house of Pharaoh with Pharaoh's daughter. 
But during that time that his mother took care of him and nursed him, I like to think that she took that time to speak to him, perhaps to sing in his ear, probably to say to him, don't ever forget who you are. Don't ever forget what God has planned for your life. And no doubt she prepared uh, Samuel just like uh, uh, Moses' parents prepared him. But she prompted him in 1 Samuel 1.27. She said, for this child I prayed. Sometimes I'll remind folks at church that will make that comment that they'd been praying for a child and then to get the child. And you know what I found? It doesn't matter. This might hurt your feelings. I don't care if it's your child or my child, your grandchild or my grandchild, man, we pray God bless us and give us children. All of a sudden, they have the same Adamic nature that you have. Oh, that baby's perfect, and they look perfect. And after a while, you find out they got a lot of you in them. Have you ever gotten on to one of your children and realized it's like, oh, I think I did that once. Deja vu. But anyway... She prompted him. I can hear her saying to him, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Listen, I love that phrase. Not only was she worshipping God, but even in his young life, he is following suit. Now he's going to come to know the Lord in a very special way. But he had saw mom and dad and their love for God, and he wanted that in his life. Can I just say, never forget who you are. Child of God, representative. I think the Bible calls us ambassadors for Christ. Ronald Reagan was in office and they were getting ready to choose an ambassador and they criticized the one that he had chosen for a particular country. And as they criticized his choice because they felt he didn't have the experience, Ronald Reagan said, I'll tell you what he has. He has loyalty to the country and he will represent us well. You know, I don't want an ambassador to go to another country, dear friend, to become like them. I want them to go over and represent America. And I want to tell you something. God wants us not to represent the world, but we ought to be a representative and an ambassador for Christ. Webster said something to this effect that we are, uh, you know, uh, in the, uh, we're representing our king in the court of another. And I think it's important to realize that while we are citizens, here in America, we are also citizens of heaven, and we need to represent Christ well. A young couple came to my... Oh, I say young couple. They were not young. They came to my dad. They'd never been able to have children. They'd heard my dad preach about uh, how God had answered a prayer for a family and asked if he would pray that God would give them a child. Dad talked with them, asked, you know, are you willing to raise this child for the Lord? And they agreed that that's what they would do. And they prayed together. And my dad said, go home and prepare your nursery. I believe God's going to give you a baby. And within a year, they had a son. And by the way, I didn't mention she was 40 and had her first baby. Had the privilege of performing that young man's wedding, him and his wife. They're getting ready to have their second baby. I see him every now and then at church. He's a fine, godly young man. His name is Gary Hill, and I'll often say to him, Gary, to whom much is given, much is required. Don't ever forget where you came from. You were an answer to prayer. He said, Brother Graham, I'll never forget. Every time my mom and dad told me that story, his dad's in heaven now, but every time my mom and dad told me that story, reminded me, you're a gift from God. And I'll tell you, I'm glad Gary not only gave his heart to Christ, but is still living for the Lord and answered a prayer. No doubt Hannah had to be excited as she gave her son and reminded him, don't ever forget who you are. But then notice, she provided for Samuel. She not only prompted him and 
prepared him, she provided for him. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 19. Moreover, the Bible said his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Her gift increased every year. So, Brother Graham, how do you know that? Because Samuel grew every year. You know what your kids wore last year in all likelihood, especially if they're young, it's not going to work for this year. You're going to have to add to it. We had, of course, been blessed to have several children, but I remember when they were still at home. And it seemed like we'd just get one of them in slacks that would fit them. And by the time we made the cycle, uh, one of them had outgrown their clothes or their pants were too short. and They got tall and, and it seemed like we were in a constant, uh, you know, updating on clothing. Any of you parents ever feel like that? Uh, every time I'd want to do something for my wife when our children were small. It never failed, preacher. I'd say, honey, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. See, oh, well, honey, this one needs this and this one needs that. And I'd quote Jesus. I'd say, hey, the poor you have with you always. So don't worry about the beggars. Let, let me do something to be a blessing to you. But man, it just seemed like every time you turn around, uh, you know, they'd outgrow their clothing. And, and so you know what happened? Uh, you had to increase it. Well, just like uh, in Hannah's life, Samuel grew every year. And uh, she had given him by faith. But not only had she given him, she had clothed him. But year by year, she continued to increase as she brought more. You know what I love about being involved in missions? I want to do more for the cause of Christ. I want my faith to increase. I don't want to just say, okay, Lord, I did this for you. I shouldn't have to do anything else. Oh, no. I want to not only see the blessing of trusting God by faith, but I want my faith to increase. I want it to grow. I want it to be able to do more next year than it did this year. And so that's why we pray diligently, Lord, what would you have me to do. Then notice lastly, Hannah's praise in chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. I won't read it, but you can see as she begins to praise the Lord for all that He's done, she begins to exalt the Lord. And by the way, in missions, it's not about us. It's all about Him. And at the end of the day, Hannah wasn't saying, look at me, look what I accomplished. Oh no, Hannah said, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God answered my prayer. Let me tell you what God let me be a part of. You go down to verse 26, we find that her son's place serving Eli there. The Bible said the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Samuel became one of the great, great leaders of their nation. We see Samuel's uh, privilege as a spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. Uh, we find uh, not only that, but her son's priority. Remember at one point when God was visiting him in the night and he thought it was Eli and he kept running in saying, you know, uh, speak, thy servant heareth. And finally the, uh, Eli perceived it's the Lord. And he said, you know, this next time you let the Lord know, hey, uh, you know, uh, Lord, I'm listening. And he of course, said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And I don't know how much Hannah got to know about everything that God did in Samuel's life. But it had to be pretty exciting to watch one prayer of faith turn into a young man who became an old man who was a great leader in the nation of Israel. Not a perfect man, but a man used by God in such a great and mighty way to affect and to shape an entire nation of people. Because one woman said, Lord, I need you to do something in my life and I'm going to trust you by faith. Folks, I want to tell you something. We serve a God that is looking for someone that believes enough in Him just to say, Lord, by faith, 
I want to do what you'd have me to do. It may seem simple. It may seem small. It may seem to you so insignificant. You might say my gift to you know, uh, missions will not be as large as somebody else's. But you know, here's the beauty of it. It's not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. You do what God tells you to do. And if you'll be obedient to Him, watch what God does. And let me remind you, every single member of this church that has a part in Faith Promise Missions giving, everything that this church is involved in in supporting missions, you're a part of that. And it's not a matter of, well, he's got a bigger part, she's got... No, no, it's a matter of you doing what God tells you to do, to be a part of what I believe is the greatest work in the world, the cause of Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, I know tonight we have certainly just taken an example of one life that trusted you by faith. And Lord, that's really what faith promise is all about. Just seeking your face, asking what you would have us to do, and then obeying. Lord, many are praying, and even Lord, as they are seeking your will, I pray you would make it clear to them. There may be somebody here tonight that's lost, and Lord, I pray that they would come to know you as their Savior. I pray that Christians, Lord, would just do business with you. We pray that you would bless the invitation time. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Let's stand our...